0: So the art of conscious communication, the idea was really about the more conscious we are of something, the more aware we are. So it was really just about being more aware of the communication itself. The reason I was wanting to write about communication is after thousands of hours of coaching, hanging out with people, okay. being curious around this human experience, it became pretty obvious that we trip over a lot in communication. And I did certainly in my marriage. I was terrible at it. And then as a coach, so whether it's in relationship with our loved ones, or whether it's as a leader with a team or interdepartmentally in an organization. Or even, man, like these days with people who've identified with different politic and they're just shouting at each other.
1: Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers and still take care of ourselves? That's the question in this podcast. We'll help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man podcast, your home for all things, man, husband, and father. Big shout out to the Fallible Nation that makes all things like this possible. And welcome to our first time listeners. Thank you for choosing to share your time with us and honoring us with that attention. We'll try and give you something worthwhile. Be sure and stick around and get to know us a bit my name's Brent, and today my special guest is Jim Fuller, author, coach, TEDx speaker, and so, so, so much more. Jim, welcome to the Fallible Man podcast.
0: Hey Brent. Thanks for having me on.
1: Now, Jim, just let me say right off the bat for my audience, I want them to hear this. I read a lot of books for my podcast your book was absolutely excellent. I consider myself a pretty decent communicator. Although I'm sure my wife will get a chuckle out of that portion of the show. I have post-it notes all through your book and just notes with lines on them. So I can go back and re look at certain sections of the book, because I think there's just so much value to the content you put together. There was so much worth my time and I had to just keep adding more notes and going back. So it's been added to the library on my website for all of my regular listeners. You guys know, I have a library page on my website. You can find a link to Jim's book there as well as in the show notes and in the description of this, but Jim, you wrote a phenomenal book.
0: Wow. Wow, man. Thank you. You have just completely made my day. It's the start of the day over here in Australia and today is a great day and (laughs) you've just set it up amazing man thank you so much like I said to you before we started before we came on air I wrote the book really the intention with the book was to help people Mm. I didn't write it as a marketing strategy I didn't write it as a calling card I wrote the book because I'm hoping that it lands and that it helps provide strategies for people so to hear your feedback really fills me up completely man thank you so much
1: now Jim I don't do huge introductions and I know maybe that sounded more like an introduction, but I get to research all my guests and accolades don't mean anything to an audience that doesn't know you. So in your own words, who is Jim Fuller?
0: Yeah. Wow. What a great question. And it can be so deep, can't it? That question. Look, I see myself essentially as a kind, generous, caring, loving, action-taking man that's who i see myself as and then the next layer out from that is a father i've got two teenage boys 18 and 16 and a partner a gorgeous beautiful conscious relationship that i'm super lucky enough to be in and with that relationship comes two extra kids so the bonus kids a 15 year old girl and 13 year old boy so there's six of us now in this blended beautiful blended situation coach author speaker son, brother, friend, and I guess if I, while I'm there, I've always identified as a traveler, an adventurer, and that took up a big chunk of my life going to as many different countries as I could around the world. So th- there's me in a nutshell. What part of Australia are you in? I'm an hour and a half drive away from Melbourne. Melbourne's on uh-huh. the southeastern coast of Australia. I live in a small surfing community, a little town down here. Our local beach is Bells Beach. Bells Beach was in the, in that movie Point Break
1: all it those was. years ago. I was because yeah. I know the name. That's the only reason why.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was the Patrick Swayze Beach. Yeah, man. So that's where I live. And I live on a farm. It's a working sheep farm. There's a farmer who runs his sheep here and we live in the farmhouses. We're on three hundred acres. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautiful, man.
1: That's awesome. Okay, so I got to ask, because I, I want to talk about the travel just a little bit here. Not, we're not going to go huge in it, but reading your book and looking into you have traveled. It would be fair to say nomadic for at least part of your life.
0: Yeah, for more than a decade, I was definitely
1: nomadic, yeah. Where was your favorite place to spend time?
0: Oh, man, deepest in my heart is India. And India is a big place. And India is kind of like a couple of hundred different countries all in one on one continent Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah india really made its way deep inside my heart and since then this was back in the 90s when i spent most of my time there but i've been going back pretty much every year since we found a way prior to the pandemic and the restrictions we found a way to make that a part of what we do my partner and i facilitate Leadership retreats up in the Himalayan mountains. So getting to go back to this particular one particular family that, that adopted me back in the nineties and I've become a part of their family and as their kids have had kids and I've had kids and we've kind of grown up a bit together. So there's a particular village in the Himalaya. That's my second home. Yeah. So I reckon that's probably, but you know, there's so many stunning places around the world for me, there's two elements to what really gets me with a place. One is the natural beauty. I'm a massive nature lover, but also secondarily is that I was always really interested in going to places with very different cultures to us. I didn't want to go to somewhere that was like where I grew up. I was really drawn to going somewhere where the people were really different, and the faith was different, and the food was different, and the language was different, the way of living was different. I was drawn to that. So, um, yeah, that's been, been kind of my my reasons to go to places.
1: Is there just a Favorite culture out there. They just, the people just overwhelmed you. You just loved being around the people. Yeah. Laos. Yeah. Just north of
0: Thailand. Yeah. The Laotians were just so beautiful and peaceful and hospitable. It was, yeah, as I think about it now, I haven't thought about Laos (laughs) for a long time. I haven't been there since the, in the two thousands, but I spent a month there and yeah, the people are just gorgeous.
1: That's awesome. So I got to ask you about this short little tidbit. Where were you a fire dancer?
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I learned to fire dance when I, back in my hippie days, I was wandering around the Indian subcontinent, Tibet, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, all that area for a couple of years and barefoot, had dreadlocks halfway down my back and a beard kind of like yours. (laughs) And yeah, that's when I first started learning fire dancing. And then many years later, I was living in Taiwan We were teaching English in a kindergarten in Taiwan to earn more money. And I was standing outside a pub one night, just twirling fire for fun. And a Taiwanese guy came up to me. He said, hey, I'm a performance agent. he said, I can get you paid work doing that. I said, great. So he got my wife, my then wife and I paid work fire dancing in front of department stores and stuff in Taipei. And we were getting paid really good money to just stand on a stage and throw fire around.
1: To have talked to a lot of really interesting people and it's just some of the stories you run into, it's like fire dancing. It's just not something in the U.S. I would necessarily think of as like, hey, this is a thing, right? People get paid to do that. It's always yeah. so interesting when you meet other people to hear some of the stories and hear some about the adventures they've been on. Now, Jim, we're not going to go deep in during the first half of the show, but give me kind of a mile high level overview of what is your book about and why did you write it?
0: So the art of conscious communication, the idea was really about the more conscious we are of something, the more aware we are. So it was really just about being more aware of the communication itself. The reason I was wanting to write about communication is after thousands of hours of coaching, hanging out with people and being curious around this human experience, it became pretty obvious that we trip over a lot in communication. And I did certainly in my marriage. I was terrible at it and then as a coach so whether it's in relationship with our loved ones or whether it's as a leader with a team or interdepartmentally in an organization or even man like these days with people who've identified with different politic and they're just shouting at each other you know they've got a different idea on the way they think things should be and they're just cancelling each other on twitter and shouting at each other across these digital divides of difference I say and it's not evolving the situation, man. It's not helping anything, but it's not making the world a better place when you're just stamping your feet. So I think humanity could do with bringing our attention back to communication again. Like we kind of take it for granted. Without communication, we wouldn't have even been able to evolve as a species right we weren't the fastest fiercest animals on the savannah plains we needed to figure out how to socialize how to work together as a team as a community and that can only happen with communication so communication underpins the very fact that we've been able to evolve and that we're still here Mm -hmm. you know so i'm passionate about communication and i was writing the book generally just conscious communication for anyone and I engaged a book writing mentor here in Australia. And she said to me, Jem, you need to pick an audience because you're writing too generally. And she suggested it. She said, I think men would do well to have this book written for them. And that resonated with me. i been pretty passionate about the evolution and upgrading the cultural stereotypes of man. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been sitting in a men's circle for about 12 years and working closely with other men to share our experiences and hopefully reconnect back to our emotional availability, our emotional intelligence, our vulnerabilities to share and break out of this, I'm an island thing. And I'm on this journey on my own and my struggles are mine only. I lived that for many years and it was pretty horrible. So yeah, no, I did the idea to write for men resonated with me. And funnily enough, I'm getting a lot of emails from women who are picking up the book and reading it and saying, thank you. I got a lot from it. And then giving the book to their husbands and sons and brothers.
1: I always get a kick out of it as a podcast aimed at men. And it's funny because my marketing guy just told me, he's like, Brent, you got a niche down, man. You're still too broad. We got to get this down a little more. All men is a little bit of a big, I was like, "But that's what I'm (laughs) aiming at. Just go get the book. Save yourself time. I've been doing communications for a long time. Save yourself, just go buy the book. Seriously. I don't push the books out hard very often, guys. You know that. Just go buy the book. Really. Communication is so critical for every aspect of your life. Now, Jim, this is the heavy hitter question of the show. So, if you got this one, you're good. What is your favorite ice cream?
0: What is my favorite ice cream? Wow, we just had good old fashioned chocolate chip last night.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: and that, if it's a good quality chocolate chip, that's, I'm going to have some of that.
1: (laughs) Ice cream is one of those universal things. I like to, people always think it's funny when I ask about it, but seriously, it is so universal. It may look a little different even in some countries than others, but. Pretty much there's ice cream everywhere, and almost everybody can agree on ice cream.
0: Man, do you know what I love about that is that I get asked about diversity and cross-cultural connection, and I talk about the fundamentals that us humans have in common. Like, we all need shelter. We all need food and water. We all bleed the same color blood. Right, We all feel the pain of loss when a loved one dies. We have these things in common where we've got the fundamentals in common. I am now adding ice cream to that list.
1: (laughs) I'm telling you, man, (laughs) I, for, especially for one place I find, right. Men connect, everybody can connect on ice cream. Men, all men can connect on fatherhood. It doesn't matter where you're from. All men can, can, I, I have bridged conversations like the most awkward conversations with people I don't get along with. So, how's your kids doing? I, I noticed he was doing, oh, yeah, yeah. Phew. Dads can talk kids. It doesn't matter what nation, what language. Yeah. We can talk about our kids and get into that. But there in ice cream, I can get almost every man in the same line on that one. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it.
0: <laughs> I love it. And for men who don't have kids yet, who are not fathers, they certainly will have something to say about their relationship with their father.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, good, and, good,
0: bad, or ugly. There's deep stuff in there. And they
1: have ideas about wanting to be a dad or questions about being a dad or if they're thinking about kids. And I had one coworker, him and I just worked with him for years. He's about 12 years younger than I am. And when I first met him, he was maybe 23. He was just that annoying, snotty. The other dads and I would start talking about and he'd bow out of the conversation. He's like, I want nothing to do with that. By interesting coincidence, we ended up working together for many years, actually, in time for him to get serious about his girlfriend, get married and then have a child. And it was amazing watching the change in this person from this 23 year old straight out of college. I met who didn't want anything to do with kids or anything. None of that nonsense. You guys are old to one day. He's like, Hey, Hey Brent, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, what's up, man. He's like, Hey, Katie's expecting. And I was like, congratulations. Hey man, that's awesome. He's like. I am a little, do I really need all, and we, he started asking me dad questions
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: and there was this instant <laughs> transformation between him and several of the other members of the team because yeah. he started talking to us about family and about yeah. his concerns about becoming a father and doing yeah. research and stuff. And it was like watching him become this whole other person. It's like, oh, look, another person has stepped into that and here we are years yeah. of us being like yeah we're co-workers we wave at each other and tolerate yeah to all of a sudden we're buddies and we text and the kid yeah. comes along he's like hey he's doing this is that normal yeah that's normal it's okay yeah <laughs> every kid eats their own feet it's okay don't worry about it yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah, amazing absolutely,
0: man the fundamentals right
1: there is so much more that connects all of us than divides all of us we just sometimes got to look right Yeah, completely. And this is not to
0: say that we always need to agree on it, on everything. And I'm actually, I think the, there's a lot of gold to be found in the conversations where we don't agree. There's gold in there because if we all agreed, if we all saw life exactly the same way and we all agreed, that's a very narrow bandwidth of scope for creative solutions, problem solving, but the diversity itself is the pool the bandwidth the pool for us to solve the biggest problems and to be able to do that we need to be able to communicate and to be able to communicate we got to be able to connect man you know and so if i'm having a conversation with someone who's really different to me and has a very different perspective if we can initially connect on things like fatherhood then we've got a foundation from which we can broaden our horizons and get on
1: there's a rapport that can be created and it's amazing
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely. a big proponent
1: of disagreeing. In fact, I would think it would be really boring if we all agreed on everything. I think we yeah. are starting to lose the art of actually being able to have respectful, courteous conversations from differing opinions and being able yeah. to go, well, thanks for the conversation. I'm not going to agree with you probably, but I respect your idea on it. And yeah. I appreciate that you took the time to share that with me. I love, I did an interview that I was just like, I'm not even sure why this guy wants to do an interview on my show. I just. Could not for the life of me see why this guy wanted to come on my show. I knew immediately, we we're like, we are on opposite sides of the fence on so much. And he came on the show and he said, I asked to come on the show because I knew you were gonna disagree with me. Uh-huh. He said, But I had seen your show and I knew we would at least have a real conversation when you did. Yeah. I was like, I think that's a thank you moment. <laughs> <laughs> Still really a yeah. little uneasy. So Jim, you had an amazing TEDx talk and I'll link that in the description as well. That was a great TEDx talk. I love the TEDx platform. It just, it brings us so many incredible insights and snippets that we wouldn't get otherwise. I I love that platform, but it's obvious you're incredibly passionate about communication. Breakdown. I've touched on it a little bit. Why is communication so important for everybody to embrace? Why put in the effort?
0: What was the last bit you just said, Brent? Why
1: put in the effort?
0: Why put in the effort? Yeah, man. Look, without communication, not only can we not manifest an idea into reality, For example, Einstein could have had all of his amazing, genius understandings of the mechanics of the universe, but if he couldn't communicate those ideas, it wouldn't have amounted to anything at all. So communication is the vehicle to manifest things into reality, but communication also is the conduit for us to be able to do anything together. And we need each other. We, We cannot exist and survive in isolation. We need each other. As the exception to the rule, there's the monks who sit in a cave up in Tibet in the mountains and just live off a chapati a day, but someone brings them the flower <laughs> to make that chapati. Yeah, we really, we need each other. And over the last couple of years of people being locked down, and especially for people who live on their own, the isolation has become glaringly obvious that we suffer in isolation.
1: Can I we ask, need connection. Can I ask you something totally off script here? I didn't, yeah. I have a run of show notes that I took notes, but I got to ask you something totally off script because I got to ask at this point. What do you think, right? In 2022, we have all this technology and I love the technology because you and I can connect. You're in Australia, I'm in the US. We would not be able to do this without the amazing powers of technology. However, what do you think in 2022 with all these different forms of communication and technology, why, to me, it feels like we're communicating less. We're posting pictures, but we're actually communicating less. What do you, do, do you think that, or am I wrong?
0: Yeah, it's crazy, man. We're running this kind of global experiment on ourselves with these social media platforms and we don't know what the outcome's gonna be. I've got a feeling it's not great, but it's happening. And there's powerful people that are way too incentivized by stealing our attention to to stop these algorithms from creating addiction for people to be communicating in this false paradigm. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Look, I make a conscious effort to communicate in an old fashioned way. If I think of a friend, I pick up the phone and ring them. Hey man, I was just thinking of you. I just wanted to tell you I love you. How are you? You know, when someone asks me how I am, they're gonna get a real answer. I'm not just gonna say, yeah, I'm fine, how are you? You get a real answer from me. I'll tell you exactly how I am in that moment and what's going on for me. So if you're going to ask me how I am, be prepared for a few minutes. I love that. Not just a throwaway comment. And look, I feel very lucky. My relationships, I invest time into my relationships. I've actually got it scheduled, dude. There's a great book by the late Stephen Covey, who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Mm -hmm. And one of the habits is sharpen the saw, which means spend time on yourself, looking after, making sure you're okay. And he does a quadrant model and quadrant two is things that are important, but not because we spend most of our time doing things that are important and urgent. It's like, wow, I've got to get this done today. Mm -hmm. Or we spend time doing things that are urgent, but not important. Like when did it become important to scroll through Instagram for an hour? But people spend, like you look at people now, they, any spare minute, even people standing in the supermarket, to do their shopping and they're waiting for the cashier, for the register, they're waiting and they're on their phone. It's like, do you ever just stand there and look around? So I've got in my weekly schedule, I've got quadrant two time blocked in every week and when I go into quadrant two, I'm doing things that are important but not urgent. So I'm booking out trips for me and my woman or for the kids. I'm calling people who I normally wouldn't speak to People I care about, to tell them I love them and see how they are. I'm investing in the relationships because the quality of our relationships equals the quality of our life. I'm not just making this up. This comes from research that's been done. Yeah. You know, you so our relationships are really important. And my friends know if they want to invite me to a party, you better not invite me through some sort of Facebook group because I'm not going to see it. You want me to come to a party, you better call me or text me. Oh, know?
1: I'm not the only one. Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> so i miss a lot of parties man but i don't mind
1: i've told people over and over again i do not have facebook messenger on my phone don't just if yeah. you want me to see it that is not the way i get on facebook long enough to post whatever i need to and then i'm back out i yeah, actually have yeah. all of my social media apps in a folder on my phone labeled time suck uh-huh. <laughs> just to remind me what i reach for it is like oh wait this is going to take me down the rabbit hole and yeah, you stay focused and right. not be that's on right. this
0: you know people say people say oh you're so good at you think of someone and you just call them and they go i can't do that because i haven't spoken to them for so long if i just call them it's going to turn into a, a an hour long conversation and i don't have a spare hour right now because we're all so busy right mm-hmm. and which is a perceptual thing anyway. But I said to them, you don't have to spend an hour. I can ring some I haven't spoken to for a year. I can ring them and go, hey, Brent, I was just driving along, man, and I thought about you. I've got I only got a few minutes, but I thought I'd just pick up the phone, check in, tell you I love you and see how you're going. How's things, man? And I've already told you I've only got a few minutes. Right. And you're going to give me a snapshot of where you're at, and I'm going to say, awesome, have a beautiful day, see you later. And that was a five-minute phone call, but that person feels thought of they feel loved they're like oh wow Jem just called me out of the blue and i think it's better to do that than to not call them at all because i don't have a spare hour to catch up
1: then you can always lead off with the hey i don't have a whole lot of time to talk right now but i was thinking about you and i want to get on your calendar let's pick a time what's what's a good day and let's just sit down and talk for a little while
0: yeah man that's right let's schedule right? it let's schedule let's it in you put know? it in
1: because it's got to go on my calendar for me so it's like hey let's find a time that works for us yep But let's make it a priority. Let's schedule something now. No, no, no. I'm not hanging up. Schedule something now. I know your phone's in front of you. Yeah. Let's do it, right? It doesn't have to go on there. So So
0: look, I I think it's ultimately important. And I'm very grateful to be in a chapter in my life now. And I can't foresee this changing because I know too much now that I didn't know before in terms of what's important. And, but I'm very grateful to be in a chapter in my life now where I invest in my relationships and my relationships are beautiful and conscious and bountiful and nourishing. Very grateful. Cause it hasn't always been like this.
1: Okay, well, Guys, we've been getting to know Jim a little bit so far, letting you get a feel for who he is and second half show, we're going to actually start digging into his book, the art of conscious communication for thoughtful men, which I'm telling you go buy it. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that, but just go buy it seriously. We're going to roll to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more from Jim. I'm calling on all men right now to stand up and stand against this horrific crime. It is estimated over 300,000 children are being sex trafficked in the United States alone every single day. I want you to get on your social media. I want you to follow savinginnocence.org or fightforme.net. Both of these charities are working to end child trafficking in the United States and abroad. You can donate at slash shop and buy our inhuman trafficking merchandise and all proceeds will be given indefinitely to savinginnocence.org. You can also go to www.savinginnocence.org/donate and donate directly to Saving Innocence. Men, it is time for us to fight and stop this horrible thing known as human trafficking. We're back here with Jim Fuller discussing the art of conscious communication for thoughtful men and. Guys, it's an amazing book. You should read it. It will improve your communicative abilities so, so much. Jim, I got to ask, what purchase of $100 or less did you make in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life?
0: And it can be- The most recent one is a book. I'm reading a book by a woman called Bell Hooks. She's from the US. And the book is called The Will to Change. And it's a book about the patriarchal structures that, that define- you know our lives, especially in the West. It's talking about the U.S., where she's she was from. I think she passed only a few years ago. And it's a remarkable book, man. Talk about good books. Bell Hooks, The Will to Change. I'm getting so much
1: from it. Okay, excellent. I always like to share something because you never know what's going to click with somebody. Someone may be listening, and be like, "Hey, that sounds like a great book." You just never know what makes an impact for some people. Me, like yeah. I, I get this little. It's called Thinking Putty. Uh-huh. I'm a fidgeter. Yeah. Uh, my And I used to bump my desk a lot when I was doing these interviews. And so now right. I, I fidget with this and man, it's made such a huge, cause I focus better that way and love it. It's amazing what little things can help. So it's amazing. I always try to share that with people, what they can find, what can change their lives. Yeah. Now, awesome. We're going to get into your book a little more here, Jim. You say on the back of the book, just to start with in the description that men are culturally indoctrinated to not communicate. Which is part of why you wrote the book take us through that line of thought
0: yeah look i can understand that it's come historically it's come out of necessity but this whole idea that we get our boys and say to them man up toughen up harden up don't cry like a girl can you believe we say that to our boys don't cry like a girl and so we're teaching our boys that they have to toughen up and maybe this was appropriate in the Great Depression, or maybe this was appropriate in World War II, and maybe this was appropriate back in tribal days where you could be attacked at any minute in your village and you, had to, you couldn't be sitting around contemplating sensitively your emotional state. Maybe it was appropriate back then. It's different times, man. I really do believe that we don't need to be violent, And violent either physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, we don't need to dominate each other and be violent as men to survive. Times are changing and I'm a non-violent person and I'm doing just fine. And so I think we need to upgrade the brand. Of men, I think we need. I think it's time to get rid of the old stereotypes, to get rid of the patriarchal structures that that teach our boys that they have to dominate weaker boys or women to be a man. It's just old and tired, and I think we need to move on. So I'm just doing my bit to try and help that.
1: Okay, I, I respect that. This is one of those points where we're probably going to disagree a little bit on, and that's fine. People, uh, we need to have these conversations. We do. We need to have open dialogue and be able to go, hey, okay, so that's not yeah. my spin, but that's another spin, which means I need to at least look at it, consider it, right?
0: Yeah, well, so. just to have the conversation, man, look, I, I also, me and my partner explore and love exploring masculine and feminine energies mm-hmm. in functional ways. and I And we love it and it creates the polarity the sexual charge between us when i'm in my masculine and she's in her feminine and we play with that and we play with old archetypes as well the archetype of provider Mm -hmm. i know this is a patriarchal archetype i love it it makes me feel like i've got a place in my relationship and as a father for me to be able to provide a life for my family is deeply ingrained in me. And I love that. And my woman loves it too. She loves it when I call her my woman. (laughs) She loves that. (laughs) She calls me her man. So it's not just, I'm not just saying that that men need to be all pacifists and sitting back and just completely chill and blah, blah, blah. There's life, there's energy, there's action taking and decision making, lots of cool stuff. So it is a really, it's a conversation that we could go in many directions and go as deep as we wanted to go in. I
1: mean, I actually have to, back down on this one just because I I could talk this for hours and hours <laughs> and hours. I think it's definitely conversations that we're needing to have. Yeah. But yeah. I want to stay focused on your book because I think there's just so much. The hardest part about the show, honest to God, the hardest part about writing this episode has been trying to isolate just a fraction of what I took away from your book. Yeah. It's like, oh man, which what, what do I bring up? What do I share with my audience? And One of them was fairly early in the book that I want to share and I want you to go into a little bit. And you talk about control, influence, and accept. I really kind of want to start there because I think if you talk about these for our audience a little bit, I think just learning this concept, our processing this idea is a huge leap forward for a lot of us men.
0: Yeah, so much, man. We spend arguably waste- so much of our energy on things that we can't control or influence. And we've all been, our resilience has been tested through the last couple of years. And so if our resilience is our energy reserve to be able to bounce back from adversity, and not only to survive, but to potentially thrive through adversity. And for resilience, we need energy and energy in any given day. I mean, we top up our energy with food and water and sleep, obviously. But energy is a resource. And we can deplete our energy. We don't, have, we don't have energy to waste, I don't believe. I mean, or you can waste energy if you want to, but you run yourself down. Worrying, stressing, doing anxiety or anger or frustration over things that you can't control or influence is purely just a waste of energy. So this acronym is cool, man. I didn't make it up. I cite the people, the couple who came up with this acronym cited in the book. But CIA is super simple and powerful, and I use it with all of my clients. I coach leaders across government and private and not-for-profit sectors, and it's so simple but deceptively simple, and anyone I share it with absolutely loves it. So C stands for control, I stands for influence, and A stands for accept. When I'm stressing about something or putting mental capacity into anything, I'm going to categorize it first. Is this something I can control? And if it's not, do I have some influence over it? And if I've got influence, how much influence do I think I've got? Is this something I've got 1% influence? Because if I've only got 1% influence, it only gets 1% of my blood, sweat and tears. If I think I've got 80% influence, it gets 80% of my concern. And then there are things we can't control, can't influence straight into the accept basket. When something's in the accept basket, Brent, zero, nada. It gets nothing of me. Now, this is easier said than done, right? And it's a practice. So when we first start doing this, you might go, hey, I can't control that thing. I'm just gonna accept it. And then an hour later you notice that you're ruminating over it again. You go, ah, oh, shouldn't have happened, man. That shouldn't have happened. And you're going, oh no, I'm there again. Accept, back in the accept basket. It's happened. It's in the past. Can't change it. And then two hours later, you're angry angry or frustrated over it again back in the accept basket. And what I've found man, cause I've been using this acronym for about 10 years now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What I've found is that when we practice anything, the neural pathways start to wire together, these neural triggers just fire really easily. Yeah. When I put something in the accept basket now, I don't think about it, man. I don't lie awake at night worrying about things I can't control or influence, you know, but that's taken 10 years. But the CIA, the CIA acronym is certainly a really handy tool to use.
1: Well, it's very, very memorable, right? We all think of yeah. CIA. So it's easy to remember. Um, yeah, that's right. See, I I've been working on for years the whole letting go of what I can't control and just accepting. It's like, okay, that's outside of my hands. But I never actually got that middle piece. And that was such an interesting yeah. insight for me to read. I see where this is going. Oh, wait, influence. I, I hadn't Really thought about, hey, is there this middle ground where I have a little bit of influence on it or not? Yeah. Uh, and so that just like really caught me. It's like, oh man, that's, a, I hadn't considered that option. I, I was going, one, it, it's I can or I can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up, Brent, because the influence piece in the middle, we can cultivate our ability to influence. Mm-hmm. And our ability to influence a given situation, if there are other people involved, largely rests within our ability to communicate. And the more consciously you can communicate, and remember that communication is a sharing, right? It's not a telling. It's a making something common. The more consciously you can communicate, the more you can influence given situations. Now, I'm speaking with the presumption that you're a good person, you have good intent, right? So if you're someone who's a nasty person and you've got very bad intentions, I'm not talking to you, go away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only talking to people with good intentions, right? If you've got the best intentions for the greater good of a situation and you can improve your ability to influence a given situation, you can design the outcome. You can design the outcome. You can be powerful In your own life and as broad reaching as you want, if you're only interested in being a positive influence as a father and a partner and to your immediate community, beautiful, do that. You can do it more effectively when you strengthen your ability to influence. If you want to go more broadly, just say you want to save the world, go for it. You're going to be better positioned to save the world when you can cultivate your ability to influence and that comes through more conscious communication.
1: Guys, there's a lot of there's a lot of value in there. Really, you guys need to take time and just spend some time twirling that one around in your head. There is a lot to be said. And you certainly illustrate several several stories in your book that super illustrate the value of strong communication. Uh you you have some amazing stories in the, your book from your travels where it's like, "Wow, okay, I can see where Good communication skills really, really kind of matter sometimes. Some of us take it for granted because we don't get too far out of our circle or wherever our comfort zones, but your communication skills have been very useful for you just based on some of your stories. I want to venture into chapter 10 a little bit. And chapter 10, you call the chapter deeper men to men communication. Since my audience is predominantly men, although I get several women who listen to my show too, let's go there. This is an uncomfortable territory for a lot of men. It goes into the heart of what I was talking about in the back of your book with men are indoctrinated in not to communicate. So we go into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: where to start. So like, you. sorry, said, I you didn't know, ask
1: a very pointed question on that one. Cause I, I was having, I was like, I'm not sure where to start this question. I know yeah. I want to talk about this portion of the book. Cause there's just a lot that needs unpacked right there.
0: Yeah. I think because we get taught. Because we get taught as boys that vulnerability is a weakness and potentially dangerous, we keep our vulnerabilities to ourselves. And so we dare not go too deep into territories, in conversations, in communication with our mates because. We just don't go there. So there's a surface level and we connect with sport. We play football together and and then we go out and drink beer together and we have fun together and we laugh together. But when the conversation, unless we're drunk and then we are a bit looser and we start going, I love you, I love you. And oh she she did this to me and that. But without the alcohol lubricant, we tend to keep it at a certain depth. We don't venture any deeper. And it's interesting because when I was an island in my life, And I had my deepest, darkest anxieties that were completely, I had allowed myself to become completely emasculated. And this came out for me in the deeply painful and depressing anxieties around sexual intimacy and dysfunctions. And it was so embarrassing. And I was so ashamed of myself. I didn't tell anyone, man. I kept this as a secret torture for years. And it was, it, I wasn't going to heal myself like that. And it was a combination of self love, self acceptance, self work, but also it was a combination of having the courage to speak out and to say to friends initially and then more and more broadly to other men, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. And in having the courage to to go deep and to talk about my vulnerabilities, the healing began. And other men came up to me and said, oh my God, you too? I thought I was alone. We sit there as a man looking at all these other men in our community going, they've all got their together. They've got it together. And I don't. But it's not true, we're all vulnerable. We're all human and humans are vulnerable. So I think just the ability to to go deeper than just the surface level in a conversation with a male friend is important. And like I said earlier, I've been lucky enough to sit in men's circle for about 12 years now and we sit around a fire, no booze, no weed, just water. We sit around a fire and we pick a theme a meaningful theme and we just talk and listen and to have that platform to be able to express what it is for you with no judgment is really healthy thing to do. And culturally, most of our men don't do that. I'm hoping to encourage men to just go a little bit deeper in their conversations with each other.
1: Okay. Now guys, I hit mute. Whoops. (laughs) Now guys, we are to my least favorite part of the show. So if you're getting something out of this, be sure and click the like button Leave us a comment, or if you're on the podcast platforms, guys, leave us a review that helps us keep making these shows. Guys, I hate this part. And if you're really into it, guys, if you believe in what we're doing here, we have a Patreon account where you can go support us. Our supporters aren't rewarded with a bunch of junk. My supporters are rewarded because they become part of our inner circle because that's who I'm interested in. That's who I want supporting us people who believe in the mission and want to help our supporters have direct impact on our content, the people we're talking to the direction we're going, and they are such a valuable service to us. So if you believe in what we're doing, head over to Patreon or buy me a coffee and you can become a full-time supporter there. Help us keep making these shows. And now we'll go back to the show because I hate this part of doing social media and podcast. (sighs) Sorry about that, Jim. I really do. It's like, (laughs) You've got to Dude, pay the it bill ne- somehow. It's
0: necessary, man. You've got to you need to find a way to keep this sustainable. This the work you're doing. And I'm not just saying this to you Brent because I like you. I'm saying this because I passionately believe in this. The work you're doing in terms of facilitating conversations like this is fundamentally important to the evolution that I'm passionate about. It's fundamentally important to us improving the state of play. If we're not having these conversations, the only change will come from violence and you know I'm anti-violence, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah man, you've got to find a way to be sustainable, you need to people need to buy you a coffee. Matt,
1: I appreciate that so much. Uh, I really do. Is that uncomfortable part because I just want to share with my community. But let's keep going because there's just so much good stuff in this. In Chapter 13, you say men are drawn, well, my question, men are drawn to actionable processes. So I want to get into chapter 13. You outline a process in chapter 13 that is just a string of questions when questions are my favorite things in the world, actually. And it's why, who, what, how, pause, and share. And you actually outline a process to have better conversation. It's very actionable. I love that section of the book. Just because it creates a very actionable outline for people to start right here. And now, can we talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, I wanted to, I really wanted to give tangible and easy to implement strategies, actual things that I can go and do. So I go, all right, Jim, I'm loving this chapter, man. And it makes sense, but what do I actually now do? So it was important for me to to have those strategies in there. That process around communication is primarily it's for planned comms. So a conversation that you know is coming up that you're going to have to have. And I think it is a way to be more conscious around the communication itself. I believe the most important place to start is with why. Why am I having this communication now? It's not the first, usually not the first thing that comes to mind, unless it's simple communication, like giving you directions. Just say you and I are meeting each other at a restaurant. I'm giving you directions. Why? Well, because I want you to be able to find the restaurant, but for communication or conversations that are more intricate than that, understanding why is really important. If I'm frustrated with my partner and I want to go to her and tell her what she did that frustrated me what's the point of why am I having this communication? Because I want to tell her. Yeah. But why do you want to tell her? Well, because I want her to understand how she upset me. Well, why, but why do you want her to understand that? Oh, well, so that we can hopefully be more harmonious together. Ah, why do you want to be more harmonious together? Well, because I want her to know that I love her and I want her life to be as easy as possible when she's with me now, there's the reason why you're going to have this communication, you're not going to tell her what you did wrong. That's not why you're doing it. You're going there because you love her and you're wanting a harmonious relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So if we start with the why in mind, then that informs how we put together and how we approach any piece of communication.
1: Okay. I love the why question. (laughs) As my marketing guy tells me the why behind the why behind the why. The problem yeah. is a lot of times we stop at that surface level. Why, well, why do we want to do it? Because I'm pissed and I want to share. Yeah. Damn, why, why are you pissed? Why do you want to share? let's, let's dig a few more layers of why in there. So yeah. your why for what then,
0: purpose is a great question to ask yourself for what purpose, and that can even let you know whether you should have the communication or not. If I'm sitting there and I'm feeling frustrated and pissed off in a moment and I'm going, I'm going to tell that person and then I'll go for what purpose, Jim, what's the outcome? What are you hoping to achieve right now? Well, I'm just pissed and they should know I'm pissed. Yeah. But why? For what purpose? And if it's just because that's how I'm feeling and I just want to express myself, then I'll make a a more conscious decision around whether I should do that or not, is it for the greater good? Is it going to improve the situation for anybody involved? And quite often I'll say. Yeah, no, not going to help. So let me go and deal with my emotions in a more functional way.
1: Okay. guys. So I want to break this down step-by-step and make sure I'm getting this because I want to make sure our audience is hearing this the way it's intended. So why do I want to communicate with my wife? We'll use my wife as an example. Why I really got to drill down to why I need to go communicate with her or why I think I need to go communicate with her. The why behind the why behind the why guys dig into it who, well, that's an informed choice. Based on the why, so I know it's my wife. I want to go talk to because that's how I got through the, why it has to do with my wife. What is it? I want to communicate with her. That's the, what portion of it? What message do I want to communicate? And I got to dig into how, how I'm going to do that to best inform her with the proper intention behind it. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, man. And just even with the who part, the more, obviously, the more you know someone, the more you know how they receive information. If you don't know someone very well, you're kind of doing a bit of guesswork. But if you understand how someone receives and processes information, you can communicate more effectively with them because there's different ways. Some people are big picture and they just want the dot point. If I know someone is a big picture dot point kind of person, I'm not going to go in there and sit there and do 20 minutes of detail going through every single page of the document with them. I'm going to lose them. Even if if I'm a detailed person, if I'm going in there and communicating in the way I prefer to be communicated with, without honoring their behavioral style, then I'm making it all about me. Or vice versa, if the person I'm communicating with pr- likes to process information in a logical way with lots of detail, I'm going to schedule time to do that for them so they can. so I'm communicating more effectively with them. If I know that I'm communicating with my woman and she is beautifully emotional. I'm going to be communicating in a way that is honoring her emotional. Or if I'm communicating with my brother, who's not very emotional and he's just kind of black and white, I'm just, that's how I'm gonna communicate. Mm -hmm. So the who part is really around it being intelligent, being sensitive to who it is and how they receive and process information. The what part, like you said, that's just what is the actual guts of this? What actually is it that I'm hoping to communicate, to have understood? How, like you said, there's so many different ways to communicate we were talking about it before you want to invite me around to your place for dinner, don't do it through Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> that might work for your other mates, but it doesn't work with me. I'm not looking there for that. So how do you communicate if the communication, if the conversation is potentially emotionally charged, if it could potentially get a little bit heightened with emotion, then don't email it. Don't text it. It will be misconstrued 100%. Pick up the phone. Even better, say, hey, can I come round for a cup of tea? If Because so much of our communication is in the nuance of tonality and even energetics and vibration and body language and all this kind of stuff. And so if there's a slight chance that I could be misconstrued and you might get upset with me, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm not going to email you because you will get upset with me. You'll oh, yeah. read it the wrong way. So that, that how part is really important and then pause is very literally that before you type the email before you pick up the phone before you walk into the room with your wife pause have a mindful moment take a breath chill out (laughs) i love that you put this in there serve man come back to serving right remembering that communication is about making something common. It's about a sharing. It's not a telling. I'm here to serve the communication, the greater good right now. So I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna put my ego to the side a little bit. Loosen your grip. And we hold on so tightly to the way we think things should be. We're like, no, 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 it should be like this. And I'm determined to prove that it should be like this. You're holding on so tight. Just loosen your grip a little bit ego. It's okay. We're safe. There's no lion coming to eat me right now. (laughs) It's just a conversation. So pause and then share rather than tell. It's not about telling it's about sharing. So yeah, that's a process I designed for the book,
1: man. Guys, that pause part, please pay particular attention to that. That pause part will save your marriage. It will save friendships. It will save your job. I live on that pause with communication, my work. I can't tell you how many emails are IMs I've written for work, that I typed it all out and I stopped and I reread it and I took a breath and I backspaced 95% of the message. I typed it again, took a breath, looked at it, deleted most of the message.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for the pause. The
1: pause will save you. Please pay attention. We tend to react in for men who do not like to pretend who, well, let me rephrase that for men who like to pretend when we aren't very emotional, we snap react in the heat of the moment. So often take the pause, please yeah, take
0: the pause. Yeah.
1: Save your job, save your marriage. No, you really should not tell your wife what you think of her mother's cooking if it's that bad. Just don't, (laughs) right?
0: For what purpose, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly. For what purpose am I about to
0: tell my wife how bad her mom's cooking? Is it going to change anything? Is it going to make her cook better? Is it going to mean that we don't have to go around there once a month for the roast dinner on a Sunday? Or is
1: it going to mean that I'm sleeping on the couch? Yeah. (laughs) Now, Jim, we talk a lot about mentoring and fatherhood on this channel, and so- there's a lot that can go into that. I want to get into chapter 20 a little bit, where you talk about creating the next generation of conscious men. You have two teenage boys and then you have a blended family, right? So you got the boys and then you've got your partner's kids too. Yeah. So how as mentors, fathers, father figures, do we teach the next generation how to communicate better, especially as we're struggling with it ourselves, which makes us a harder chore to try and teach somebody else when it's something that we need to create and fix in our own lives. Yeah, How do we start that process effectively?
0: Man, early on, I set up a foundation in terms of communication with my boys, where I said to them, boys, if you've ever done something and you're not sure whether it was a good thing to do or not, if you want to come and tell me about it, if you want to come and talk about it, I promise I won't get angry with you. There might be consequences, but we'll talk through them together. But I want you to know you can talk with me about anything. Now that's kind of worked to a large degree. My boys tell me about pretty much everything. And I know necessarily they'll have some things they keep to themselves because well, they yeah. need to feel autonomous and independent and that they're the master of their own destiny, etc. But the bigger stuff, the questions they have about life and anxiety or alcohol or w- girls or the bigger questions that they have about life, they come to me with. So I'm happy about that. They're also normal teenage boys. They come home from school and you say, how was your day? And they go, uh-huh. the, the one kind of grunt and so sometimes I'll dig a little deeper and I'm like I'll just invest the time to ask more questions about where they're at and sometimes I'll let them be in their teenage boy because that's just where they're at but at least they feel safe to be able to talk about anything with me and I think it's about yeah it's about them feeling psychologically safe I didn't feel psychologically safe to talk with my dad about stuff. So I, I there's there's no way I was talking with him when I was a young teenager and I was piercing my ear and smoking weed and pinching booze out of his bar and getting drunk and stuff. I didn't tell him any of that. Or my anxieties about how do I be a man or what steps do I take with a girl or all this kind of stuff. I just figured it out on my own because I didn't feel safe enough to talk with him about it. So I think it's important to create an environment with our kids and... With our boys and girls in the context of this book with our boys for them to feel safe to talk about the things that they're not sure
1: about psychologically safe that's one of those things we separate out and i had a great conversation with a guy named michael unbroken he runs it runs a trauma recovery group but michael had one of those lives He's so just like wow you're still alive that's amazing but it's not something that most of us think about very often right? The psychological safety in communicating with our children. We have this idea, this is how it works. This is the way we were raised when we either like that or we don't like that. We pick up our own ideals, but we don't think about creating that psychologically safe space necessarily because it's, it seems like little things from an adult perspective. Sometimes I have to work really hard. I have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old daughter and I have to with working a full-time job and having a business on the side, you know, I schedule in time to spend with them to make sure I'm spending time with my children, good time, like quality time, no phones, mm. stuff like that. No business meetings, no calendars, no emails, but I have to catch myself every now and then because they're trying to show me something. Are there, something's got them upset. I'm like, it's a nothing. What are you freaking out about? It's like, <laughs> stop, stop Brent. No, that's not the right answer. <laughs> Yeah. We don't think about that because we look at it from an adult's eyes instead of looking at it from their eyes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I think we are better placed. We're more effective at helping someone, whether it be our children or someone on our team or a friend, helping someone move from where they are to where they need to be you know, and that can be literally physically, or it can be emotionally or psychologically. We're better placed to be able to help them move if we meet them where they're at first. Mm -hmm. If we we honor where they're at first, if we validate where they're at first, because if you sit with your kid and they're trying to express to you what's going on for them in that moment, and if we dismiss it, It's harder to say, come on, just come over here. You can be happy again. If you come this way, they're like, you still don't get me. But if you get them, if you get into that moment with them and you're like, wow. And you really get them then they feel seen. They feel understood. There's been communication. There's been a sharing of where they're at. And then you're like, Hey, how about we go over here? So yeah, it's a good point that you bring up Brent to remember in that moment to validate.
1: Yeah, I'm a big proponent of trying to get on their level especially with my little Mm. girls. I'm a physically larger man. I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm a pretty good sized individual. And so I make a conscious effort to try and get down at their level when I'm communicating with them, whether they're sitting or bringing them up to me or that I try and get eye to eye with them. So I'm not looking down just because it helps me to pull myself into their space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. I think it doesn't take quantity of time. It's like you said before, you said it beautifully. Quality time doesn't mean quantity. You don't have to lie on the floor and build Lego with your five-year-old for two hours. But if you build Lego with your five-year-old for 10 minutes and they've got all of your attention, 100% quality, your phone is switched off. You are really seeking to understand where they're at. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're not trying to show them how to build an, an amazing Lego thing. You're with them as they're in the moment of finding this piece that goes here. And when you can bring yourself to be present in that moment, five or 10 minutes of quality time with your kids is worth hours of wasted time while you're scrolling on your phone. And oh, you're yeah. Like, yeah,
1: I'm hanging out with my kids. So what is next for Jim Fuller?
0: Oh, life's pretty exciting. (laughs) Life's pretty exciting. We're actually, my team and I are branching out into your neck of the woods, man. Well, your country into the US. I'm really excited about that. We're building an online communication course for the modern leader. So post-pandemic leaders in this changing world. And so we're building a communication course for leaders, which is really exciting. If anyone's interested to hear more about that, just shoot me a message. Go to my website, gemfuller.com. And then just reach out and shoot me a message. So that's really exciting because I'm going to be able to help more. Leaders with that. Yeah, there's the website there. Thank you. Just go contact me. There's a contact form and it'll come through my team and it'll get to me. What else is exciting? I'm already thinking about the next books. That's exciting. I'm super excited to be running our retreats again. We've been on pause obviously with two years of being locked in Australia. So in 2023, we're back in the Himalaya, we're back in Bali and potentially some other places. So that's super exciting. Oh, my partner and I are fitting out a commercial property at the moment. We're moving into some, we're building some studios together. I won't have a green screen behind me. I'll have a (laughs) nice studio
1: and I think i looked it up you said uh, you found a space next to her yoga studio right
0: yeah so she's pilates and she works with she works with um pregnant women and postnatal women and babies that's she's a dual lusher she's a birth support worker and a birth educator she does educates around the birthing process and that's her professional world and so she's going to have studios Uh, And then nestled in the middle of them is my studio. So I'm really excited, man. I'm pretty fascinated with energy and energetics and vibrations and to be nestled in the midst of all this beautiful female mother, young child life energy is exciting for me. And she's on the other flip side of that. She's actually really excited. Her and the women that she works with, they're really excited to have this masculine energy in the heart of the building. Knowing that I'll be sitting in my studio doing the work that I do and coming from a grounded place of reasonably functional, masculine doing my best anyway. So yeah, it's gonna be a really beautiful
1: blend. That's very exciting, man. That's very cool. I was looking on your Facebook and I was like, oh, oh wow, yeah, okay, that's cool. I always, as I'm digging into my guests, stalk the Facebook, yeah, got stalk the social media <laughs> yeah, to find yeah, out what's happening yeah. with people. But That's yeah. very exciting. So is the website the best place to connect with you? If you just wanna follow me and see
0: the content that I put up, I post content pretty much daily on on Insta. Where Insta, Facebook, and LinkedIn, I'm just Jem Fuller, J E M F U L L E R. So you can follow me there, and I'll and I'll keep uploading stuff that I think that I'm hoping will help you. That's the reason I post it. It's funny, man, with the posting stuff, like right? because you can be very self-conscious and go, oh, "Am I sounding like a dick? And am I sounding stupid? And should I be posting this?" Or you can have that chatter in your head. Mm-hmm. There was this one time, man, where I did a video blog on death and it was after my brother had died. My youngest brother died on his motorbike and Mm. it was after that. And I did a video blog on death and how it can inform us as to how to live because death's inevitable. We are all going to die and we don't know when, but it's definitely happening to all of us. But people avoid the topic. And for me, the pain of grief and losing people that I love has really helped me come back into this carpe diem idea of seize the day because it could be your last right and so i did this post on death i got a phone call two weeks later from a woman who knows my mother and she rang me up and she said i just wanted to say thank you for posting that video blog because we had a friend whose wife died three years ago and he went into hiding he wouldn't answer our phone calls he wouldn't see anyone he went into isolation of depression for three years He saw your video post and he's come out. He picked up the phone and he's reached out to us and he wants to connect back into his community again because of that video post. And I just went, wow, you know what? If I help one person with a post, I'm just going to keep on doing it. And you cop a bit of hate. People go, oh, people judge you and hate on you regardless. But you know what? I'm not going to let that stop me, man. I'm just going to keep posting stuff that I hope helps. So if you want to follow me online, do that. If you want to reach out to me, go through the website. If you want to grab the book, Amazon, Booktopia. Oh man, the Audible books almost ready. Yeah. It's in. Yeah, the post production's been done. We've recorded it. I narrated it, so you're you have to put up with this Aussie accent. That's
1: awesome, dude. That's the best way to do it, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's now gone to the publisher. So I'm hoping if you prefer to listen to your books rather than read them, you'll be able to get it on Audible. In the next few weeks hopefully
1: i love audible it lets me listen to more books yeah i stayed away from her years i discovered audible in 2020 when i was getting the fallible man started and i was like how did i miss this for so long (laughs) this would have made it so much easier to keep up with my reading so that's exciting
0: you can devour books hard back in the day when i used to drive to work Mm -hmm. before being locked down and bringing it all online i would be able to devour a couple of books a week Oh yeah. And yeah. podcasts. It's a little bit different now because of the last two years, we haven't, I haven't been driving anywhere near as much, but anyway, it'll be on Audible. So
1: that's very exciting, man. And I'm glad you did it yourself. I really think it actually adds a great deal when the author does it, because then you were talking earlier about there's so much voice inflection and stuff like that is valib- valuable to communication. Yeah, and so you're yeah, actually absolutely. hearing it the way the author intended it to come across. And I think that adds yeah. so much value.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've read the book, man. There's My stories are in there. Mm-hmm. And if someone else was trying to tell my story, they kind of wouldn't be able to do it. No, I didn't no. think,
1: you know. Absolutely. Guys, honestly, besides where he mentioned, there's also on my website. It goes to Amazon. Go get a copy of this book. Seriously, get a copy, give it to your friend, give it to everybody you know. This will help you. Communication is so, so important and it is everywhere in your life. Your children, your significant other, your co-workers, your friends, your parents, your siblings. It doesn't matter. It's everywhere. It is life. And there is so much value to take away from Jim's book. Please, please consider going and getting it. It will stay up on my lab- library, get it on Amazon, get it on his website. We'll have links for all that in the description and the show notes for the show on all the platforms, YouTube and podcasts. So guys get you a copy of the book. Jim, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today and hang out with us and visit with us a little bit and share guys as always be better tomorrow because what you do today, we'll see you on the next one. This has been the fallible man podcast, your home for everything, man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe. So you don't miss a show head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.